This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I seriously love BetterHelp so much. They're one of my favorite sponsors, and I will tell you why I love them so much. When I started this podcast, I was going through a really rough time. I'm talking drug relapse, drug addiction, drug abuse, relationship issues, anxiety, depression. I was going through one of the craziest moves of my life, so therapy really helped me get through a lot of that. And online therapy is, in my opinion, even better than going to a therapist's office because, let's face it, our lives have changed the last year or so, and I just feel like online therapy is the best way to go. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating with them in less than 48 hours. They really do match you with, with a therapist so quickly. It takes, in my case, less than 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And there's a broad range of expertise available, which might not really be locally available in all areas. The service is available for clients worldwide, and it's super easy to access your account. You can log in, you can send a message to your counselor really at any time you want, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, whatever you prefer. I like to do phone sessions sometimes because sometimes I like to, to go on a walk when I, go on, when I do my therapy sessions. It's really up to you. Traditional therapy can come with kind of a stressful energy attached to it. So I really love how BetterHelp is really controlled by the, the patient. If you want to connect with your therapist and communicate something with them, they have a journal feature, which I absolutely love. This journal feature has the option of sharing your journal entries with your therapist, but if you want to keep them totally uh, private and anonymous towards yourself, you don't have to share them with your therapist. But I really like this feature because for many of us, starting fresh with a new therapist gives us a lot of anxiety and it can trigger us. Um, so if you feel like that, you're not alone. I felt the same exact way because let's face it, a new therapist has to ask questions and try to get on the same page as where their client is. And sometimes rehashing our, our history of trauma and all the details can become kind of exhausting and a little bit annoying. So what I do when I start with a new therapist, like I did on BetterHelp, is I use the journal feature and I wrote kind of a lengthy email explaining to the therapist where what I've been through in the last few years, where I'm at right now, what I'm looking for in therapy, and what kind of therapy I've done, what kind of therapy I'm interested in, and what I'd like um, out of a therapist. So this is super important. If starting with a brand new therapist gives you panic or anxiety or stress, 
This is the most stress-free approach you could possibly do. I love how they matched me with someone with the experience and qualifications that I asked for. I personally asked for a therapist who had some experience with eating disorders, depression, and relationship trauma. Once BetterHelp matched me with my therapist, she messaged me right away and then I scheduled my first session with her for that week. The process is easy, effortless, and stress-free. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. So if you're going through a hard time right now, and let's face it, so many of us are, whether it's emotional turbulence, depression, anxiety, relationship issues, LGBTQ issues, whatever it is, body image, self-esteem, BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit betterhelp.com vibe. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Vibe within listeners, you get 10% off of your first month of online counseling at betterhelp.com slash vibe. That's betterhelp.com slash vibe. Betterhelp.com slash vibe. Go start online therapy. DM me on Instagram. Let me know how it's going. And I hope that you get the help, the support, and the healing that you deserve. Welcome to the Vibe Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen. Each week, we will connect through stories and conversations about wellness, yoga, addictions, spirituality, mental health, rituals, and everything in between. The goal is to transform our traumas into strengths to create the change we desire in our lives. My mission is to help others by shining awareness on real-life topics so we can learn new ways to heal physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Whatever you are going through in this moment, you are not alone, so let's connect and heal our vibe within. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. How are we doing? How are we doing? Like truly. Um, I'm still on an Instagram break, which feels great. This is week two of me being off Instagram. And I feel like my soul is reconnecting. And again, I talked all about this in the most previous episode soul scrubbing, um, detoxing from sharing, all that. So if you want to be up to date with the wild transitions that the collective is going through, like the energetics, the, I talk about some, some tarot cards that can be kind of threaded in to the energies that we're feeling right now. Talk about my process moving to back to the east coast and how fucking tiring and exhausting mind body and soul that was um so go check out that episode but i'm super excited about today's episode with aaron garrity 
she is a yoga therapist who actually is located in Florida, close to where I am now. And we did record this episode a few months back, so it um, it's not a super old recording, but it's not like super new as of last week. So um, my computer is really fucked up, you guys. Um, I'm actually in the process of really trying to save up for a new computer because I've had this laptop for, hmm, I want to say 10 or 11 years. And at this point, I'm afraid that it's just going to, like, die and croak on me. <laughs> and I really don't want that to happen. Um, I do everything on this on this computer, the, the podcast, and I am shifting my focus from Instagram to YouTube. So basically, the reason why I'm explaining this to you is because I thought that I lost this episode with Erin. I, my computer just likes to erase files randomly, which is so fucked up. Um, So I spent like a month trying to like detox my computer and go through files and organize and upgrade and the computer is just so old. Like what am I supposed to do? You know, I I use this all, all throughout art school and I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do. Like there's, there's no, there's no getting this computer back to the way that it was still works thankfully but I do need to start really asking myself you know why am I doing what I'm doing where is the money coming from you know I don't really get paid that much to do this podcast um ads really aren't um that that great of paying resources unfortunately because it really does Uh, rely on how many views and downloads you get or listens or whatever. So for me, the podcast isn't really about the money, but I've been trying to really focus and ask myself, you know, okay, where should my energy be going then? Because with COVID, everything's changed. I'm sure your career has changed. I'm sure your financial uh, patterns and pathways have had to change because a lot of the industries are just diminishing now that COVID um, has been such a prominent issue with uh, how people are surviving financially. But basically with this Instagram cleanse, I've realized that Instagram is like a black hole, to be honest. And it truly feels like I put so much energy into Instagram with the Instagram lives and tarot readings and stuff like that that I love doing on Instagram live because then I put it on my IGTV but it just feels like it's a black hole and they just disappear and then that hour that I spent doing that is just nowhere to be found and 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 it's not reaching anybody so that's why I'm kind of shifting my focus and my intention now during this break to create um, well I already have a YouTube channel where I post these podcast episodes. I also post um, other things, and I'm going to be starting to really delve into sharing maybe weekly and monthly uh, or bi-weekly collective tarot readings that are not 
science is specific and they'll be timeless and sometimes they will they will have to do with time you know with different transits that are happening in astrology um, but this is my way of trying to figure out how I can actually reach people and and you know be the messenger of these messages that I'm receiving through the tool of tarot and the reason why tarot is helping me so much is because it's helping me integrate my shadow work which sometimes can feel like we can be in in the deep end of shadow work and that can be daunting and tarot has helped me find the way of integrating my shadow work what I'm what I'm learning in therapy Um, I'm also in self-study mode with Jungian psychology I've got like you know notebooks full of notes and you know just I've been listening to like hundreds of hours of of lectures and podcasts about Jungian psychology and shadow work and what I want my YouTube channel to provide is a pathway of combining tarot as a healing tool to bring up messages that truly truly matter right now not not the type of of um readings that you see oh like when are you going to meet your twin flame or you know your love tarot reading or what are they thinking or what like what are they saying like that's that's not my style at all I feel like I'm ready to up-level and create something a little bit more in-depth mentally. And basically, you know, I miss teaching yoga. And, and with COVID, I can't teach yoga in, in studios right now, nor do I really want to because studios are very tight-knit. They're not, you know, letting new teachers in. And I, I don't really – I feel like I've um, – it's not that I'm over teaching yoga, but I am trying to find ways to help the collective in different in different ways. Um, but I do miss teaching yoga, and I don't know if you're list if you're a listener who is also a yoga student of mine. But if you've taken any of my yoga classes, like at Exhale in Miami or Equinox or City Fitness in Philly, over the years, uh, I used to teach a lot of Yin yoga and restorative yoga, which which quickly turned into these like healing experience sessions and it was way more than just a yoga class it was music it was dialogue it was me speaking about mental health and emotional well-being and shadow work so a lot of my classes and yoga teaching style is very deeply rooted in shadow work and mental health so I'm you know, being off Instagram has given me the space and time to realize that that's what I really, really miss. And that's what I integrate into tarot readings is shadow work and, you know, these toxic beliefs and self-limiting beliefs and family dynamics that we're trying to make sense of and the transitions that we're going through and how we can feel so stuck in these old patterns and old cycles and these toxic ways of viewing ourselves and how we project onto others and how we allow others to project on us 
and how we're so stuck in past experiences that have shaped us into forming these self-limiting beliefs. So it's our past experiences that maybe traumatized us in small and big ways that have left us here um, with these toxic lenses of ourselves. And um, I really want to use tarot as a integration tool and a physical, tangible tool to extract these messages from spirit guides, from you know, just the subconscious energy of the collective because uh, I feel like my clairvoyant tendencies and gifts have kind of, not kind of, but have definitely gotten a lot more prominent at this time. And I am ready to be more vulnerable. And I'm, you know, as much as I love Instagram, um, it's it's a black fucking hole. It really, really is. And I feel like if I can create a, a, a more in-depth channel for the podcast and then the YouTube, that'll kind of bring it all together better. So if you could subscribe to my YouTube channel, that would really help because uh, the goal is for me to get 1,000 subscribers. And the reason for that is because when you get 1,000 subscribers, you can start to monetize your YouTube, which means you can start to make money off of it. And I have to be real. I have to be, I have to just be 100% real with you guys. It's really hard um, making money these days. And I had to sit down and really ask myself, where am I putting my energy and what do I enjoy doing and what do I really want to do for people that can benefit them on their healing journey and I feel like I can reach more people on on YouTube so it's gonna start you know slow and steady because slow and steady wins the race but it would really benefit um, just everything that I'm pouring myself into if I could slowly start to get more followers on there and you know I have a lot of followers on Instagram and I'm gonna start you know promoting my YouTube on there and I have about 33,000 followers on Instagram it's you know and I was just talking about this with my friend Christy like you know if if people support me on Instagram then I'm sure it you know, 1,000 people of my 33,000 followers can follow me on YouTube. And if it doesn't happen, then that just shows you that people really aren't supporting you. People really aren't, um, they don't care what you're doing. And that's, uh, that's kind of a shitty, you know, place to be, but it's a real place to be because if, if you have so many followers and then you ask your followers, hey, come support me on this platform, which they, you know, like so many people use YouTube. So it'll be a nice little litmus test to be, to be quite honest. Um, so if you guys uh, use YouTube, please uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel. I will link it in the show notes because I'm going to start doing some really in-depth tarot readings that are going to be very psychology, mental health based, and these readings are meant to help us actually find ways to release these toxic ways of living and being and addiction and eating disorders and just like trauma and shadow work and all these things that are keeping us 
that are keeping us back and they're keeping us stuck and they're keeping us hidden behind these walls that we keep um that we keep finding ourselves against so you know I really feel like I'm ready to connect with more people and you know we have to be smart with where we're putting our energy you know if it's if we're struggling financially we have to really think about where we're putting our energy how we can make money how we can use our our knowledge and our skills and our passion to create a new way of living you know covid's no joke like everybody needs to start brainstorming and figuring out how we can how we can monetize our passions and our our truths and it doesn't cost you anything to subscribe to me on youtube um once i hit a thousand followers youtube um you know you have to set up ads with youtube and it doesn't cost the followers anything so that's you know I feel like that's an amazing thing like I'm not asking my followers for money I'm just asking them to subscribe so anyways um, I'm excited for for you to listen to this episode with Erin because she is a recovery from addictive tendencies and and bulimia and alcohol and pill abuse um, she like pours her heart and soul into helping others find freedom through like deep subconscious repatterning and she does body work retreats trainings coaching sessions um she's amazing and the way that she explains addiction and eating disorders and toxic ways of viewing ourselves and the subconscious it's all it's it's so shadow work based very Jungian psychology based um and I think you're really going to enjoy this episode so you can find her um, on Instagram. I will put all of her instu- all of her um, info in the show notes, and we'll get right into the episode. Enjoy. You talk a lot about addiction and you know thriving after addiction and eating disorders, disordered eating, and how they correlate together. And that's you know what this podcast is really all about: is trying to find ways to navigate through all of that and it can be really messy um so I'd love to hear kind of where you're at right now and where you feel you know grateful in your recovery process and then we can always backtrack and go from there but where where are you at right now in this whole process sure so um yeah it I I do believe in divinity and uh serendipity so (laughs) um It is kind of funny that we live like right around the corner from each other. But so I think I'm in a kind of high level of recovery. You know, Um, a lot of people like when they they come to me, you know, they're they've stopped using their substance of choice and or, you know, say if they had an eating disorder, maybe they aren't like purging, but they're still binging, etc. So where I'm at right now is, uh, you know, I I had bulimia for, for 12 years. And, um, that was healed in steps. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, I used to manage my emotions using different substances that I would rotate, you know, like pills, alcohol, uh, people. Um, and so currently I'm, I'm in a really good space where, you know, every day is different for sure. Especially with the (laughs) 2020 has been like one hell of a ride. 
Um, but I'm dedicated to my meditation practice every day. It, uh, it grounds me. Um, I'm dedicated to uh, yoga in some form or another, whether it be the asana physical practice or uh, studying of spiritual scriptures. Uh, yoga sutras is kind of like my go-to. My partner loves the Mahabharata and the Upanishads and Puranas. Um, so we, we kind of like, we talk back and forth about stuff like that. But I guess I'm in a space where, you know, I, I lead yoga retreats. We do yoga teacher trainings. And so even if I had the inkling of, <clears throat> I don't want to show up for myself today, you know, which I think everyone, everyone has that from time to time, you know, like it's, it's really easy to be in recovery when you're feeling good, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, but I've, I've had up and down health issues, you know, just, uh, I recently actually discovered I had a non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, um, which was kind of shocking, but answered a lot of questions. But the fact that I know that now and I'm healing myself on a physical level, like much deeper, in addition to the different practices that I have, meditation, yoga, I take different supplements to keep myself going. You know, my my life is dedicated to to service. Mm-hmm. And service from a good place, you know, not service from a, I'm over pouring from my cup, but rather I recognize the value of giving to myself, investing in myself, making sure that I've given myself everything that I need so that when I show up, I'm very present. I, I don't have, um, you know, not battling myself the whole time when I'm with people, I can just see them and be with them. And it's such a spiritual experience, you know, and, um, I've been on the other side of the fence. You know, I, I I do believe in showing up from where you're at, you know, and for sure I've been on this journey. I mean, probably about like 15 years total. Um, Mm -hmm. and I've, I've definitely been on that side of the fence where I, I wanted to help people and I helped them for, from where I could, but man, was it noisy in my head, you know? And, uh, it's, it's nice. And again, every day is different depending on, you know, stress levels, circumstance, et cetera, how my body feels. But uh, I really cherish the fact that I can be present with people and I can really hear them and, and see them and, and love them. I love people so much. Like, and that has to be reflective of me loving myself, which some days I'd be like, yeah, you know, Aaron, you're pretty cool. Like you're doing a good job. I could just lay out where I say that. And other days, you know, as far as like body image is concerned, I'm sure we'll dig into that. Um, other days, I don't know, like your body's retaining water and your mind will play tricks on you if you're not careful and you stay in that space too long. So, um, mm. yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's up and down. I don't want to project any image that, you know, the perfect yogini or anything, but uh, I can say I'm doing the work. I'm proud of what yeah. I'm doing. And uh, I'm also able to uh, look at other people and be proud of them. Like I was like, so enamored with your podcast. And when you reached out to me, I was like, Oh, let her be cool. Let her be cool. And, <laughs> and, and you are. And I was like, Oh, I just, I, I dig her vibe. Um, so that's, that's, that was a um, just, just, it's, it's awesome to be in that space, you know, to, to be a strong leader and to lift up other leaders. Yeah. 
Wow. Um, I think it's really important what you said about, you know, I'm not a perfect yogi. And I, I feel like people in the healing space can can get wrapped up in that, you know, well, I have to be fully recovered in order to like help people, which is, you know, uh, not true. And recovery is going to look and feel different for everybody. And what you said uh, in the beginning um, about how you have clients who, you know, maybe they, they don't purge anymore, but they binge or they don't use anymore, but they, you know, resort to some other eating disorder kind of technique. Um, I find that super interesting, like that the eating disorder and addiction can have like phases, you know, like Mm -hmm. different phases of my life. I've realized, oh, like when I was in art school and this was the situation, the eating disorder and the addiction was here. Mm -hmm. Hmm, That's interesting. Or, you know, when I was living with these people, it was like this. And when I was living with family, it was like this. And it's almost like, um, especially with eating disorders, maybe one is easier to recover from, you know, maybe the the purging. In my case, um, I also struggled with bulimia for a handful of years. And thankfully, I've been able to move past that. But there's other forms of my eating disorder and disordered eating that has stuck with me. And it's really hard to get past and through that. So when you have a client in that kind of scenario, I feel like a lot of people listening might might resonate like, okay, well, I, I stopped doing this, but I can't seem to, to shake this, this really toxic way of being yeah. off of me. What, what's your way of helping that person to navigate through? Hmm. So healing happens in phases, you know, it's a process, it takes time. And I can't tell you how many people I've talked to, especially people new in recovery, who they think there's like this imaginary switch that I'm going to say something, right? Or they're going to take a certain supplement or they're going to meditate one day. And then all of a sudden they're like Eckhart Tolle and they're enlightened. You know, it's like, I'm like, listen, it doesn't really happen like that for most of us. Um, and I'm, I'm in the most of us. So, um, you know, what I like to say is that all addictions and eating disorders, um, are the result of unaddressed pain from the inside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to relate this to body work a little bit just to put in the physical realm. So I, I do this body work called tension pattern release and people come to me with chronic pain. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been doing this work for about 12 years. They'll come to me with chronic pain and it, you know, their shoulders locked up or whatever their hip. And I'll take a look mm-hmm. at the whole thing. And a lot of times I'll be digging behind their knee or I'll be working on their neck because I have to release a certain area um, based on what their tension pattern is telling me, right? So, you know, a lot of people where they end up, that's not where they began as far as their addiction or their eating disorder. A lot of times it gets progressively worse. But there was some pain that we didn't know how to deal with in that moment. And so we developed some sort of coping mechanism, right? So for me, um, you know, going way, way back to when I was, uh, I think like 12 or 13, um, you know, seeing, seeing, um, my body, I, I was just, I just felt a lot of pressure and I saw my mom taking diet pills. So I started there that messed with my nervous system, right? I got really thin, really quick, like way too quick. And then I got a lot of attention, right? The story goes on from there. So, um, that piece 
had to be healed, but there was so much on top of it that I had to heal first before I got to that, right? So with body work, for example, and I'm going to, I promise I'll tie this all back together, <laughs> but no, I, I love hearing you talk about this. It's so nourishing. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so if somebody comes to me with like a locked up shoulder rotator cuff tear, you know, I might have to look down in their hip or in their iliopsoas and release that like way down in their hip by their groin. And then all of a sudden their posture is more upright. And then I have to look, oh, so they've had a compensation pattern on the left side. I'm going to have to release their latissimus dorsi on that side. And then they go up. So it just, it happens in pieces. And then the tension pattern starts to release and we start to open up gradually, like, you know, like the lotus flower unfolding its petals, right? It doesn't just Mm -hmm. happen all at once. It's like petal by petal by petal if you slow it down. So, um, you know, re- recovery is is like that for people. And I think the first thing to heal is to acknowledge that it is a process. And now I think a lot of people don't want to be in that process or have patience because they don't like the way that they feel. And they want to mm-hmm. get away from it as quickly as possible. Right? Yeah. And I have a lot of compassion for that because a lot of times we don't know how to handle those emotions that are coming up. Right? And uh, we disconnect from ourselves. So I had a great pattern of disconnect growing up. Um, I I experienced some trauma when I was very, very young. And um, so then it was just such a a big deal in my little body that I would escape to my head because how do I even deal with that? Right. I'm so scared. And so people. Unsafe. Oh, and oh, my God. Yes. So with trauma. Absolutely. I'm glad you said that. With trauma, if one does not feel safe, so if I do coaching with someone, 100%, they have to feel safe and comforted and they have to feel like they have compassion. And then it softens everything and then we're able to, to go inward. So mm-hmm. um, for those who are, you know, come to that point of recovery and they're, they're struggling, that, that's, that w- was mainly the people that I've, I've dealt with is people who they've, they've let go of their substance of choice they're in recovery, but then they're like, oh, you took away all my coping mechanisms. What am I going to do now? Yeah. Right. And, and I look at that with compassion because there's big feelings, emotions, trapped energy inside of us that is stagnant. We don't know how to reach it. And so then we reach for things at a certain point because you can't take it. Right. It's not sustainable to be in pain all the time. It's not mm-hmm. sustainable to be, you know, feel shame all the time. And so because we don't know, or maybe we don't have the tools to reach those things within us, we reach for outside things, um, uh, external things to, to numb the pain a little bit. Of course we do, because mm-hmm. we want to move forward in our life. We, we want to try to be happy, you know, so, so much compassion for, for people that are on this journey. Um, but as far as people who um, going through you know, recovering from an eating disorder, as far as the the phases, it does, it happens, it's a process. And the more that you can have, like start that journey of self-love and and meditation and knowing yourself, being with yourself without the projections, without the pain stories, I promise that you are not flawed. There's nothing wrong with you. You don't have to be fixed. It's rather Mm -hmm. releasing all those layers of shame and guilt and resistance to reality of everyone telling you, or maybe the voices in your head telling you you're not good enough or it wasn't enough. 
those are some major belief systems when we peel back the layers that um, almost everybody has. And it's either guilt or shame that we start with. So, Yeah. And I feel like we get kind of like frozen in time, like when when our addictions or our eating disorders or our addiction to like behaviors started, it was obviously to like help us cope through the trauma or the pain or the unsafeness. And so we kind of like get caught in this loop, or at least I do, of obsessing about what went wrong or this, this adolescent is like standing there with their hands in the air saying, why, why did this happen? Or, you know, we get, we get addicted to trying to understand why or, or the energy like under the eating disorder, you know, like for me can be, it's, is rooted from like anger and mistrust and betrayal and, and all of that. And, yeah, like you, you said it perfectly. Like, you know, it's almost like, um, when you do heal one part, like maybe, maybe addiction, you swap it for something else. So like when I stopped doing drugs and drinking and I've been sober now for over a year, um, I, that's when my eating disorder and disordered eating started to like really turn up the volume Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and I was like oh wow okay cool Mm -hmm. you know and I it's not that I have ever been recovered it's just that um the the drug and alcohol abuse and the toxic sex and the drama and the the chaos was taking front and center stage and the eating disorder wasn't as like crazy although my body image was always shitty during my my addictions Mm. you know it wasn't ever good um so I think what yeah like what you're saying is like it's it's like layers and phases and to be more compassionate is it sounds so simple but it's just not easy yeah I I agree and to sort of dovetail off of what you're saying um People can get in, in in negative feedback loops, right? And mm-hmm. and we again want to try to understand this objectively. Is that your your brain likes to solve puzzles, right? Likes to it wants to solve the problem. That's why I think you know one of the major reasons why everyone's so stressed with the COVID stuff and and everything that's happening in our world right now is like it just seems there's so much stuff going on. There's there's not a lot of answers, and so. Um, but or it puts your brain into hype, like hyperdrive because it, it needs to solve the puzzle, right? It's like if you've ever, um, <laughs> so an example is right before I took silent retreat, I learned this uh, part, part of this uh, beautiful mantra uh, uh, chanted by uh, Deborah Pramal. And I heard a little bit of it and it was so fucking catchy. And I was, I was going on my silent retreat that next uh, day and I was like, shit. I'm going to, I have to learn this because otherwise my brain won't shut up about it and I'm going to be making up the wrong words. And so (laughs) I spent about 45 minutes learning this mantra so that my brain could like settle the hell down. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So if we look at it that way, like you're not your mind, you're not your body, you're not your thoughts, you're the consciousness below the surface, but you do have to navigate your brain. Right. And so um, if we can recognize that that brain wants to solve that problem, but that the answers are not within the realm of your mind, then we can go in and we can do that deep level healing, which is where you need to be in the realm of feeling. 
but feeling with compassion with a guide, right? So I do this thing and I, I wrote about it in my book. It's called emotional journeying. And it's where you, um, first you come present, right? And then you bring up whatever feeling you have in your body in that moment. So for a lot of people, it could be anxiety or overwhelm or um, sadness. Yeah. And then we'll breathe and we'll, we'll notice the area where we feel it in the body, like the chest or whatever chakras it's blocked, the solar plexus, uh, throat. And then we stay there and we just hold compassionate space. You witness it. You don't try to fix it or clench around it or resist because that's what we usually do, right? We, we resist a feeling that doesn't feel good. And what, yeah. is, what does that do? That um, keeps that negative spin cycle going because when you're in resistance and tense, you disconnect from your body because it's not a pleasant experience. So, But if we soften and go in there, we, we become more expansive. I like to say it's uh, like taking concentrated orange juice would be a little nasty for anyone. But if you add some water to it, all of a sudden it's yum yum. So mm. <laughs> no, uh, digesting shame in your body might not be yum yum, but it's uh, better than having it like, you know, just coiled up in your heart. <laughs> so yeah, like, like, <laughs> like just letting our our emotions and everything sit in our body and just like stagnate there and like just settle there. Um, that is doing a huge disservice to the body. And what I've realized is like the more I've actually spoken and like, like outwardly expressed what I'm going through internally with my eating disorder and addiction and depression and anxiety it's like it frees up space in my body in my yes. physical body and the you know for years I was like oh no I'm, I'm not gonna talk about my disordered eating on social media or my podcast or ever in public you know I couldn't wrap my head around how people were doing that. I was like, it's so, it's such a shameful thing to talk about. And then when I started talking about it, I was like, fuck this, you know, like, like all these years I was keeping it in and that was only giving the eating disorder and the addiction all the power. Yep. And it was just building up and building up inside of me in shame and regret and disgust. And, and then those emotions physically manifest in my body as hip pain, as water retention, as, um, you know, solar plexus and sacral chakra being all fucked up and closed off. And, and then that leads to poor body image days. So it's like this trickle effect that like is all intertwined and, you know, having like a bad body image day can totally just fuck up your whole day, your whole week. And for me, part of eating disorder recovery and, and radical body acceptance and, and all that, I feel like it, it requires like an unbrainwashing because we're so brainwashed by the eating disorder and by the addiction that it's almost like you can't trust your mind anymore, which, which kind of sucks because it's like, okay, like I love myself and I'm making strides, but you know, in recovery, a lot of people say, um, do the opposite or go against it, you know, because you, your, your perception is false and it's, it's, it's not correct. You know, it's been telling you lies. 
So how would you help someone reframe that, you know, like the unbra- the unbrainwashing like process and like not being able to trust yourself when you have a bad body image day, when you just feel gross in your body and you're like, okay, well, I guess it's all in your head. I can't, but you, you can't trust yourself and how you feel. So it kind of creates that disconnect with your body. Mm-hmm. So, um, two, two things I want to say first, uh, uh, in in Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, they have a lot of these like little catchy things. So like fear, false evidence appearing real, mm-hmm. um, and uh, also fear um, when we're looking out into the world or at ourselves from that perspective, um, everything is going to be attacking us. So there is a great book, uh, A Course in Miracles, and um, one of the first lessons that they present is you know. Uh, sort of changing your associations with everything or sort of, it's not a disassociation, but it's like recognizing that you have projections on everything and it taints everything, right? So um, if we're in the space of fear, again, when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we're, it's, it's like our body is attacking us in a way. And in, in the realm of, um, I don't like the way I look, oh my God, like, how the hell did I let myself go like this? And, you know, and this could fluctuate. I've, you know, I, I still have remnants of this and I have to just what you said, as far as you don't, you just don't believe the story in the moment, you know, like, uh, you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe. And you just have to step away for, for a while. You have to be a little dualistic about it, create some separation and space, breathe and notice your emotional state. Right. So if you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, oh, my God, like, really take a step back. (laughs) Don't like take the bait. Right. Because your your old patterns will always try to bait you. And and that's, again, a protective mechanism of of your brain. You have these neural pathways built up um, as far as associations with different things about your body or the world. Right. So taking a step back from that and recognizing, okay, that story is not necessarily true benefit of the doubt, right? So mm-hmm. um, once you do that, recognize your emotional state, right? Do I feel angry? Do I feel frustrated? You know, am I in fear? And then once you become aware, and it might take a little bit, right? You might have to breathe and drop into your body. You know, then again, feeling what you need to feel, like recognizing, okay, I, I don't feel great right now. So anything I look at or uh, yeah, anything I look at or associate with is I'm going to look at the negative parts of it. It's like, um, I've been giving this example lately. I can take the same script word for word and give it to a person in in a happy state and have them read it and give it to them when they're like pissed off and have them read it. And it will, it will land completely different with their audience, right? Yeah. Yeah. So your perspective is, is, is always changing. So it, it's un, unreliable, right? It's Maya in, in yoga. It's the illusion. It's that little swoop over the, the Om symbol. We want to see that Atman. We want to see that truth. So um, when people are in a tailspin like that, stepping away, breathing, recognizing this isn't necessarily true, creating some space, that's mm-hmm. important. And then when you have the space, then you can start to say nice things. But you have to go through the muck a little bit is what I like to say. Cause if you, <laughs> if you, 
if you're looking in the mirror and like, you're just like, ew, gross. <laughs> and then without like acknowledging your feeling, your experience at all. And then you just try to be like, I love myself and I have the perfect body. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Like you, that's bullshit. And you know it. And your body knows it too. Your body's like, come on, girl. Like, yeah. you know, so, um, that, Sometimes I, I, I listen to podcasters and, you know, everyone's, they're doing their best, right? Everybody has a different message, but I always kind of like roll my eyes a little bit at the people that just do only like positive affirmations without going into the discomfort, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's half and half, baby. Like you, you got to go into the discomfort, but the good news is that you get used to going in it. It's like, shit, when I first started doing push-ups, push-ups suck, chaturangas, like I don't like them, but you get you keep showing up, you get stronger. They're not so bad. Maybe even in a way, you know, cause you're like, Oh, I'm stronger. Like this is nice. And like, you start to like them. You're in the flow of it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. purposely putting ourselves in uncomfortable situations, like gives you more resilience. So we can do that every day. And that is part of our yoga practice, whether you're doing a posture or you're just living the life. And so I, I kind of look at body, body work, um, healing our body image that that same way catch yourself notice your patterns label it feel it and then from there then you can start to change your brain pattern i'm going to add one more thing onto that yeah. I, I used to walk past the mirror and i'd look at my body and this happened so quick because my mind my nervous system was was fried from all the drugs and stuff and just from me beating myself up all the time so walk by the mirror and instantly be in pain I didn't even know what I thought. And then as I started doing yoga practice and creating more space between my thoughts, all of a sudden there was this phrase that came up and it was, what's wrong with you? And I, I got like goosebumps because it was like a subconscious belief that had bubbled right up in the forefront of my mind. And your brain loves questions, right? Because it likes to solve the puzzle. And so, you know, it's like... <laughs> My, my brain was like, what's, what's wrong with you? And uh, so my brain was like, oh, you want to know what's wrong with you? Here's a comprehensive list of all the things that's wrong with you. So in an instant, like just a lightning flash, I could pick out 20 things that was wrong with my body, right? Because uh, the associations with my body. So I became aware of that, worked on it. I found out where it came from and then flipped the question and made it work for me. What's awesome about me? So that was my new question for a while. And again, so I'm hacking my brain, right? And um, introducing a question because I know it likes questions. <laughs> but mm-hmm. focusing on the positive and, and so much better result, you know? And I, I, I built up my answers and they kept changing and evolving and getting better. And so anyone that has body dysmorphia or just um, body image troubles, I recommend, you know, going through some of those processes. I, I have other things that I could, I could talk about it all day, but, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, I, I could literally talk about this stuff all day. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, you know, yeah. you live a lifestyle. So I've definitely had uh, some of those moments, especially in like hot yoga um, when I was practicing hot yoga, kind of too much, like in my over-exercising mm. days, you know, I was addicted to, the exercise because it was the only thing that got me out of the the kind of like the the torture of the eating disorder of the body hatred and mm. from the sweating and from the movement and from 
connecting to my body, it unlocked something for me to feel so much better in my body, even though I was still the same weight and I was, you know, still looked the same. Uh, I felt the energetic opening in my body. And like in those moments, I would find myself crying in yoga, like, oh my God, I can't believe that you put your body through so much abuse, you know, mm. with, with, with drugs, with alcohol, with purging, which is mm. very violent and it what's is. restricting. And what people don't realize is that, um, it, that like eating disorders come in all different shapes and sizes. And uh, even if even if somebody is struggling with uh, binge restrict and they quote unquote look normal, you know what I mean? Like they're not underweight. Um, they're, they're suffering in silence just as much as the next person. And they might not feel... Uh, like they can speak their mind because, oh, well, I look normal or I look healthy. So, you know, I must not have that big of a problem, which is so, so uh, like a toxic way of, of thinking towards this disordered eating and like the dance of of good and bad days. You know, I, I, I call it energetically bipolar. <laughs> That's um, great. <laughs> I like especially that. Especially for like us yogis. Mm-hmm. I feel like we, we can catch on to our, our thoughts and feelings and it just takes us for this like crazy ride. And then the next day I'm like, oh my God, I feel so great. There's so much to be grateful for. I'm making huge progress. And the next day I'm like, why am I alive? You know, it's like, it's these, these polar opposites. And it's like the dance between feeling really, really good in my body and then simultaneously experiencing these waves of like really poor body image days. And it's like, whoa, whoa, what happened there? You know, like I know that you, that that I can't gain five or 10 pounds overnight. That's physically impossible to gain 10 pounds of fat overnight. You know what I mean? So it's like it's those thought loops that people and for people who don't um, understand body dysmorphia or eating disorders, if you were to say something like that to them, they could say, oh, you're crazy. You're it's all in your head. And it's like that's not the most validating thing either, because then it's like, oh, wow, I am crazy. And it's in my head. I can't even trust my body, you know, and it's Mm. it's really I've been thinking about this a lot and I've been, I was talking to my therapist the other day about this, about how people with eating disorders, um, the correlation of happiness, like the connection of happiness is so deeply ingrained and rooted with feeling comfortable and safe in the body or like content with the body. So like on days where it's like a good body image day, it's like the eating disorder voice comes in and says, and gives permission, like you can be happy today. And then when it's an, when it's not a good body image day or you feel quote unquote fat or quote unquote disgusting or whatever it is that that voice set t- tells you, it's like you can't be happy. It's like it permission ungranted. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, let's be real. Buying vitamins and supplements can become overwhelming and super stressful. Honestly, I find myself in rabbit holes on the internet trying to find the lowest prices for the best supplements and it can feel like a full-time job. If you're anything like me and really into healing holistically through vitamins and supplements, then using Care Of is a great way to simplify the entire process. 
The best part of Care-of is that they specifically curate your daily vitamin packs to be exactly what your body needs to function at its best. All you do is take a quick five-minute online quiz, and you can even customize your daily supplement packets too. Not only do they have top quality vitamins, but I've really been loving the single packets of probiotics, the chill factor, and the dream team single packets, which can promote healthy relaxation and sleep, which I need all the help I can get in that department because I have insomnia. And since I have a lot going on health-wise, I'm trying to balance out my hormones, my autoimmune symptoms, and regulate my digestion, it's been really nice to not have to worry about buying all these bottles of supplements. Care of makes it easy and effortless. Supplement shopping can become so expensive too, but with Care of, you're really getting exactly what you need for a fraction of the price. So for 50% off of your first Care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code VIBEWITHIN50 take out all the pressure and the stress when it comes to getting your vitamins and your supplements and go to takecareof.com and enter the code vibe within 50 for 50 percent off your first order yeah um i agree i think uh, a lot of people when i coach people they they appreciate that i've had uh different perspectives of you know, uh, having been addicted to, to drugs and alcohol and then also having an eating disorder. And I, I, I find that, uh, again, it's, it's uh, the root cause is there's unaddressed pain on the inside, right? Mm-hmm. And then we just have our different associations, whatever we, you know, have chosen from, you know, parents modeling things or culture or, you know, we want to have a certain control over our bodies. Um, so... I think that um, getting out of the mind <laughs> as much as we can is yeah. is so helpful. You know, I I, I practiced yoga for um, I don't know, maybe fifteen, sixteen years, but I, I feel like I really uh, the first few years I didn't really know what I was doing. It was more of an exercise. And what you mentioned about you know you go to hot yoga and even though like you didn't lose any weight, obviously your body hadn't changed that much, but like all of a sudden you just felt like so much better. Mm -hmm. Um, There is something to be said about moving the energy within us, right? Because again, even in, so I've studied like Chinese medicine a lot, um, pain in a sense is stagnant energy. And so um, the, the brain again has a tendency, we get so caught in these loops. We try to find the answer in our mind. You know, if I, if I just, do this and do that and balance all that. And um, I'm going to tie in a little bit of your last podcast as far as um, it was like, it was like self-help overload or something like, or self-development overload. Um, Mm -hmm. You hear all these voices, oh, do this, do this ketogenic diet that, or like, um, you know, fasting this and, you know, take this supplement. It just, it becomes so overwhelming and you could really hurt yourself doing too much and too many and a lot of times people just get overwhelmed and then they're even more disconnected from themselves. So that's why I'm such an advocate of, yeah, like connecting to yourself. And I know it like, I might sound like a broken record here, but it's um, how can you listen to your inner wisdom when you have all these other voices that think they know what's best for you, you know, going through your brain, we do have to trust. And again, that safety, that trust is so important. And that, 
is a relationship with yourself. It's a relationship and relationships you have to work at every day. Sometimes you wake up and like your partner says something to you that says, sounds a little pissy and you're like, you know, and then it sets you off and then you guys are like going at it. And then other mornings you roll over and you like give a kiss on the cheek and it's like easy breezy. It's like some days we wake up that way, right? Like we wake up and all of a sudden there's whatever thought for whatever reason we chose that was just like, oh, you can't fit into your pants today or, you know, whatever. And that would just like set, set somebody off that, that had uh, body image issues or an eating disorder. Um, and, the, and then it just continues from there. So yeah. um, having, a, having practices in place that drop us into our body, uh, like yoga or, you know, even if you're not doing like the asana practice, like running, like just like get, getting out in nature, you know, like, like directing your mind is some, uh, a new thing that I've been doing. Um, actually, it's something more my partner does. He's more of a yana yogi, so he's like very intellectual. Um, getting out of that loop as soon as you can. Don't fight it. You know, it's, it's like um, it's like trying to like punch the ocean in the face. Like you're not gonna win. <laughs> the ocean's just gonna win. At least for a little while, you need to create that space, and then you you keep choosing different belief systems. Right. And then and then and then the the old neural pathways start to like dissolve in your brain and you've created a new pathway. But I like I liken it to, you know, if there's a a kid and they're I don't know, they're playing with a toy and they're like banging it off a shit. And you're like, hey, don't do that. Give me that toy. Like the kid's going to cry because you took away their toy. But if you Mm -hmm. were like, hey, Tommy, you know, his name's Tommy, you know, hey, give me that. I'm going to give you this teddy bear instead. Like it's an easier transition, isn't it? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So doing that with ourselves, um, you know, it, it takes so much care and so much getting to know ourselves. So many people are afraid of, especially those in recovery intimacy. I mean, when I'm with my clients, whether it be through like Skype or in person, I'm very intimate with them. And that means I listen to them. I'm present with them. I'm, I'm curious and I'm invested and I just, like, I love them. I love them. And, and um, so many people don't go there with themselves. Like, if you, don't, if you don't know those pieces of yourself, you're going to be craving other people to see and acknowledge those things about you when you're not even revealing them because you don't know them. You're not embracing them. And what, mm-hmm. and what, I mean, what a tragedy because when you get to know yourself, there's so many hidden gifts and talents and, um, potential that is, that is unlocked within us. Um, like, like you're so, you know, bright and vulnerable at, at, at such a young age. Like I, I'm like just meeting you, but I'm just like, so proud of you. Like go girl, because I, I know personally that, um, freedom comes from opening up and being vulnerable at the very, like at the very basic level. Right. And you're so good at that be, being vulnerable and being open and being authentic. And that's what I really loved when you reached out to me, I was like, I hope she's cool. And then I listened to like part of a podcast. I was like, oh, snap, she's cool. I can relate to this girl. Let's, let's, let's chat. So, um, that's awesome. Like energy, like, you know, I, I didn't know, I didn't know you at all, but after I heard that episode with you, I was like, oh, I fuck with her energy. (laughs) It's like, like what you're saying with the intimacy, it's, it's really hard to be intimate with someone, whether it's dating or friendship, 
when you feel so shitty or unsafe in your body uh-huh. like like if you constantly have symptoms and like physical or emotional it's it's really hard to like okay I'm gonna put on this mask I'm gonna like you know go out and hang out with somebody and like pretend that I'm normal and pretend that I'm happy it's like you know it it does require a, a lot of accepting you know yourself and I've I've been celibate for some time now and I'm I've been single for like probably four years and I I have no desire to really um get in a, a relationship or have sex because of how much damage I did to my body and my soul mm. with all of the toxic sex that I did have with with people especially when you're on drugs and mm-hmm. your 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 whole sense of judgment is just so skewed and I feel like the the last couple years I've been regaining trust with my body like hey I understand I put you through a lot but you know things are getting better now and you can start to like yourself more you can even if you have a bad body image day you're allowed to be happy there's other things that you can be happy about Mm -hmm. and what I've realized a lot recently is that you know and this goes for addiction too you can't expect to heal in the same place or environment that triggered you to get sick in the first place Mm -hmm. and I really had to like swallow that really big pill and say, all right, nothing's changing. I feel like I'm stuck in a loop. And I knew that I needed to create a safe container um, in order to heal. And, you know, a lot of people say create a, a safe container, container. And I hear this word all the time. And I really had to think and break it down. Like, well, what does that mean? And for me, it meant leaving the toxic family dynamic that was continuing to trigger me and to unvalidate my emotions and my feelings and people with addictions and eating disorders are they're still smart people they're very smart because they're they're using their pain and suffering and they're they're shifting it somewhere else so that they don't have to be a nuisance on others Mm. you know that's a great way and, of looking at it. I've never, I've never quite heard it put that way. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, at least that's how I feel. Like I've, you know, my eating disorder when I when it formed when I was in high school, um, I, it's almost like I was, I was being blamed for being the, the, the person that was causing all the pain in the, in the family because of my eating disorder. But what they didn't realize is that the reason why my eating disorder evolved was because I was trying to deal with the trauma and the pain that, that was, that was going on around me mm-hmm. in their dynamic and their patterns and cycles. And it's like, I had an epiphany when I was living in Florida um, with my mom and my stepdad again. And I was like, Oh wow, this is like deja vu this is why I got sick in, in high school. This is why this all happened. And it comes to a point where, um, I can't expect people around me to change and I have to remove myself from the toxic environment in order to prove to my body that it is safe and that it is okay. And that we are on a, a, you know, a nonlinear path, but hopefully a path of upward healing and, I, I just couldn't I couldn't get anywhere um, higher uh, staying in that environment. And it's it's really hard because 
it can be very lonely. It can be very isolating if yes. you're, you're really in this shadow work and you're trying to heal trauma and people have so many things they're healing. Most people who have an addiction um, have other things that they're healing. Like you said, it comes from mm -hmm. pain, you know? So it's not just the addiction to the substance or the behavior, but they're also trying to heal that trauma wound. So it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a lot of work, and and the 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 path of um, healing is uh, sometimes yes, it can be a lonely one, uh, especially you know it's like uh, you have your circle of friends, and then you know you're using and and making bad choices, and then you wake up one day, you're like, yeah, this isn't working for me. You can't just like you said, keep going and hanging out with those people, you know. Um, because you're going to fall back into those habits again. Um, mm -hmm. So removing yourself from that situation is uh, of the utmost importance, creating space. Um, you know, for, for me, uh, I've it evolved my yoga practice to be a little bit more in tantric philosophy. But in the beginning, I, I started with a very classical form of yoga, Ashtanga, because I was drawn to it for the duality. I had not enough space between my thoughts and my brain and like, like body and self, et cetera. And, um, I, I needed to create that separation. And even my meditations were more duality. It was like, I was trying to escape myself because I was too hyper identified with something I wasn't. And because I was hyper identified with this thing, I wasn't, I know this might sound weird, but, um, I could never live up to it. And so I needed to uh, separate from that first and then love it from a distance. It's like, imagine like a Monet painting and you're like, your nose is smushed up against it and you're looking at it. You're like, ew, this is ugly. Mm. <laughs> and then, but then like you take a couple of steps back, a couple of steps back, and then you start to see the picture. You're like, oh, oh, actually that's like the lady in the park with the parasol. Or I'm trying to think of the famous one that he did. Um, mm -hmm. and you actually see it for what it is and then you can start to like embrace it. So you removing yourself from a toxic situation, even though it was difficult for you is, I mean, bravo, like, uh, it, it's necessary. I, I agree. It's 100% necessary. And then yeah. once we heal, I think, um, you know, we have different phases as far as what we focus on, but a sangha, a, a spiritual community, having that at some point during our recovery, like connecting with people on that level, letting your soul be heard. And I think I do this and perhaps you do this too. When we record our podcast, it's cathartic for us because we get to talk about this stuff, go into that spiritual realm. And if we're lucky, you know, maybe some people will like send us an email. I'm always like, oh my God, yippee. When I get an email from a listener, I'm like, yes. And they'll tell me like my podcast totally. helped them. And I just, I'm like, yeah, I feel connected. I want to hear from you. Or, you know, you get yeah. a review on iTunes or whatever, um, yeah. you know, and then, and what joy to connect with another podcaster. Right. So mm -hmm. um, having that spiritual it's, community, it's like therapeutic. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is. It's uh, it's our very, very public diary. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's like, it's almost like, um, you know, I don't consider myself an expert. I, I'm super into psychology and I've been teaching yoga for a while. So I feel like I 
I was living in the imposter syndrome space for a while. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I finally allowed myself to start talking about depression and anxiety and all the trauma that I've been through as, as a adolescent. And, you know, what I realized is that why would why would I keep it in if if I could help at least one person and and by expressing it outwardly um it's it's helping people in a way that you know I'm not telling people what to do I'm sharing my experience and and like you said just by sharing our experience our actual lived experience with this shit is so validating Mm -hmm. because you're, it's like when I when I heard the the podcast episode with you and when I fell in love with your work, it's like, oh my God, I feel so heard. You know, mm. I feel so understood. Mm. And it's not like it's not like um we're sitting here and preaching to people. We're just trying to like dig into the psyche and be like, all right, well, what worked? And during these dark moments, like what how do we get out of it and like just trying to like make sense of it all you know because people can get so lost and and lonely and and especially like in the fa- in the family dynamic of like okay if you have to remove yourself from your family or you know i moved cross country i'm fucking i'm here alone you know with my cat my roommate i have a couple cousins here that's it and part of me is like shameful and and guilty that that I left, you know, and that I, that I spoke my truth and I shook things up and I, you know, caused some drama. But, uh, I think that in, in our recovery, that's, it's just going to be messy at times. And sometimes when we're trying to up level and, and heal, we can come off as being really intense or like too much or like overthinking or just like, so like, you know, in it, you know, Mm -hmm. and I find myself dancing between those, you know, okay, I need to enjoy my life more. Um, And also like deep in this, this healing work, because I'm finally ready because in, in high school, when I was kind of interventioned and forced into, into treatment, I wasn't ready. My, my family was pointing the finger at me and saying, you need to recover. And I'm glad they did. I survived. I was not well. I was very sick and physically ill. Um, so I understand that why I was forced into treatment, but the treatment was traumatic. It was, it honestly caused more um, PTSD and they didn't show me the tools to embrace my body changing. They also didn't look at the reason why I had an eating disorder. They didn't they didn't ask, okay, well, why does this, why is this girl, you know, starving herself and doing these things? What's going on at home? You know, it was more like, and this was a while ago, but things have changed since then in in the eating disorder recovery space. But it was almost like, you know, the, the person with the ED was the, was the problem and nobody was willing to look at what was really happening the like the pain and the trauma, you know, like what you're saying. So it can be this, this paradox of now I'm sitting here in this safe space that I've created um, 15 years later and I'm totally ready to recover and I'm in the recovery space full force because nobody's forcing me to, nobody's telling me to. And because I'm finally not around the toxic 
the toxicity. You know what I mean? So I feel like we really have to sit back and, and ask ourselves, well, what's making us feel like we need to use or, or have an eating disorder? Yeah. And until you uh, have that space where you're not using and you're not engaging in those behaviors, the feelings can come up to where you can get answers. You know, you can know, ah, okay, this is actually me coping with anxiety, you know, or this is me. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm lonely and I, I miss people and, and food is my companion, you know? Um, so when you're, when you're, yeah. when you're quiet and you take a step back from that engaging behavior and don't react, then the answers come, you know, just, liken it to, uh, my partner and I have been working through some communication stuff. We've been going through, like, he says things in a certain way that would, you know, in a tone that would like trigger me. And, and then our defenses would go up and then we're just, we're both alphas and we're both like into martial arts, black belts. So we're just like, (laughs) so, (laughs) um, we, we had to find a way to each again, feel safe. Right. Um, I had to ask him to change his tone defenses went down and all of a sudden we hear each other now we're communicating Mm -hmm. so much better um and and that's a you know a process it's a give and take and like you said it's it's a dance um so it's it's gonna Mm -hmm. happen bit by bit step by step Yeah. yeah i think the the whole the safety piece is like and like the the energy that i just felt when you were saying you know when you have a disagreement it's like the body gets in fight or flight Mm -hmm. and when the body is in fight or flight, my body was in fight or flight for 15 years and it, it fucked up my hormones. I lost my period. I had acne. I had, you know, I have Hashimoto. I have autoimmune stuff. Mm. So I feel like the, the eating disorder and the drug use definitely triggered that. And now for the first time in my life, I'm not in fight or flight. And it's like, oh, I have to keep reminding myself you're safe. Mm. I have to keep reminding myself that because mm. sometimes I'll like wake up and I'll be like in a crazy, like irritable, angry mood. And I'm like, wait, why am I angry again? <laughs> like what, what, what triggered that? And maybe it was a text message or something I read or something I, but that, but that's over. And actually everything in this moment right now is actually safe. And I'm like looking around and I'm like, Oh, my cat's chilling. I'm on my porch. I'm good. (laughs) But like my body is just so used to being in that fight or flight. So it's, it's really interesting. Like, you know, the whole mindfulness and yoga and just being present and like anchoring back into this moment and being like, okay, yeah, I know my body is so used to being in this sporadic mind state with the drugs, the alcohol, the eating disorder, but journaling and, and reminding myself that I'm actually safe and everything's okay is, is a practice that helps. Good on you. That's you, you, uh, recognizing the pattern and then creating a new one. So that's, that's fantastic work. Um, thank you. It's, but like I said, it, 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 it took me removing myself from, from that toxic, you know, pattern and, and the surroundings and, has has that happened to you like in in your eating disorder and addiction um what was like a kind of like a rock bottomy moment that you realized or a very isolating moment or something like that because we talk about rock bottoms a lot on this podcast if anything specific like a specific memory comes up 
Yeah. Um, so I was in college and I was uh, binging and purging about four or five times a day. I started skipping classes. I'd been skipping classes that whole semester, actually. Um, I remember I just kept throwing up, throwing up, throwing up. And I was like chronically dehydrated. And um, I remember I ate like a bunch of chocolate and I just, I was like, oh my God, what did I do? And then I'm trying to throw it up because I would even binge on like low calorie food. So even if I didn't get it all up, um, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about hydration and taking care of my body or anything, which is funny because I was an athlete. But anyways, I, I threw up so hard that like all the blood vessels in my eyes burst and I look like a demon. Wow. And wow. Um, my, my, my left eye still has one that never healed. Um, but luckily you can't really see it unless I turn my, like if I do a side eye to someone, they could see it. But, um, mm-hmm. I remember looking in the mirror after that and I just like saw the blood starting to spread around the whites of my eyes. And I had like some vomit on my sweater and I was just like, my hair was all messed up and you know, my skin, as you know, like your skin gets fucked up and I, I didn't have acne, but I had, it was just blotchy everywhere. And I had like this redness and I just, I don't know. I was like, it's like, I couldn't hate myself anymore. You know, I had uh, gained, I don't know, 20 or 25 pounds just from my metabolism was so fucked up and I was just exhausted all the time and I was sick and I had ulcers and, um, I, there was, for me, there was no, there was no lower. I had been, you know, again, trying to control my appetite with Adderall and other things too. And it was that moment where I couldn't hate myself any harder and my body just ached and I had a moment of like sympathy. There's just like, I recognized that I was in this terrible cycle and it's it's almost like my body was just like please please yeah. please can we stop like yeah and um that that's when that was one of the moments where i i just uh just like like my my binging started to lessen a bit and the uh, the purging started to lessen and um i i started to move my body at least a little bit, like at least show it some kind of love, maybe drink a glass of water or two. And, and then, and then I started, you know, my, my journey was a very long one. It took me a long time. Um, but that moment was probably a rock bottom right there. Yeah. And that was the catalyst to start making those tiny little minuscule changes mm-hmm. that all add up, yeah. you know? Yep. Yep. That, thank you so much for sharing that. That is so, I mean, that's like that people don't talk about those really dark, vulnerable moments of eating disorders. Mm-hmm. And I personally not enjoy, but I find I, like I got the chills when you were saying that because it's just so real. And like if we if we don't talk about these moments and let people know that like, hey, I've been through a dark ass moment like that, too. And that could be the catalyst of your healing, you know, if you totally. let it. Yep. Yep. And the hour of, I, I think it's like a bat, Batman movie is like, <laughs> it's like darkest before it gets light, you know, definitely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. Yeah. I feel like I could um, talk to you for another like three hours. So, <laughs> like 
validating and, and comforting. And um, if I ever, you know, I will probably make it back to Florida eventually, um, but we'll have to link up because your body work and your therapy just sounds so, so healing. I'm actually trying to find, a, you know, a somatic healer to work on my hip out here. So um, if anybody is in the Florida area and, you know, they can come see you, where can, where can they find you? I know times are weird right now with COVID, but are, are you offering um, coaching online and, and anything like that? Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, with coaching, it's pretty easy uh, to do online or in person um, because we can maintain six feet uh, mm-hmm. Etc. So, and I have, you know, location, my two yoga studios in Bradenton, um, Thrive Yoga and Fitness, but um, uh, people can check out, uh, let's see, I guess my podcast, Thrive Yoga Fit, Transformational Coaching, uh, reach out to me, Aaron at AaronCoach.com uh, if they want to email me. And mm-hmm. um, if they are local, um, ThriveYogaFit.com, they can see classes if they want to come take a yoga class or if they want to... Um, you know, schedule an appointment for uh, body worker coaching. And sometimes I can bind them d- depending on what's going on. Um, you know, they can reach out to me. I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to say um, I did one of your meditations um, the other day and it was, it was like a breathing technique where you breathe into the chest and the belly and then you kind of do like a Kegel, like, like, you were saying, um, and you did this one on the podcast that I listened to as well, like kind of like you're holding in a, in your pee or like, Oh yeah. Like a Mulabanda, the, the lifting. Yeah. And so I did that and I, so many emotions came up because Mm. of my blockage in my, in my sacral chakra and like has to do with sex, sexual assault and stuff like that. And I just want to let the listeners know that on your podcast, Um, you have so many amazing meditations just like there just for everyone. And it's just, I, I, I just find it really amazing that, that you put those out there for people and it's a free resource and your energy is so felt in them. Like you, you always just like say things in a way that's not all like cookie cutter meditation bullshit. It's like, (laughs) like they're very detailed and like each meditation is like very specific, which I really love. So thank you. Oh, thank you. My, my pleasure. Absolutely. So thank you so much for, for coming on and we'll have to uh, do this again. Amazing. I hope you enjoyed that episode. It really helped me find new ways of feeling my way out of things and stability and, and, you know, there's going to be ups and downs of recovery, whatever you're recovering from people, pills, addiction, and any sort, eating disorders, codependency, whatever it is. So hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you could subscribe to my YouTube channel, that's really going to help me find uh, this new way of connecting with you guys. Um, all right, I'm going to leave you with the rest of this song, This City by Matt Bellina, co-written by me.
Certain hour. 